2: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the eSpurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy, and once again, I'll be your host as we talk all things Tottenham for the next 60 minutes or so. Joining me tonight, I have once again gone for two up front as my trusted strike Joe, Colin James, take on the questions. James, Happy New Year, and how are tricks with you?
1: Yeah, wonderful, mate. Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to everyone listening. Uh, yeah, everything, everything's not too bad. A few good results over Christmas, and uh, looking forward to what should be a successful 2019.
2: Cheers, mate. And Carl, how are things with you, my friend?
0: Yeah, really good. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone listening. Um, And a bit like James, feeling uh, optimistic for the year ahead. I think this is the the trophy year.
2: I I thought you just meant in life in general there, but I like the way you sort of (laughs) take it into a Tottenham point of view. But um, yeah, if you want a prosperous year, there's no no issue with that at all. Um, (laughs) Before we um, wish you about Carl's 2019, let's get the social media bits out of the way first, so we can dissect, I guess, Friday night and just about everything in full, because it's been a an action-packed fortnight or so. Probably the worst time to take a podcast break, so guilty. But, you know, we have to celebrate Christmas and New Year just like everyone else. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes or ACAST. and You can get every new episode direct as it's released. We are, of course, on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram at E underscore Spurs. Facebook is facebook.com slash Spurs page. And we're also on YouTube, Pinterest and Tumblr. And for all the links to all the Spurs platforms, just head to our website, which is e-spurs.com. Right then, let's get down to business, and that business—gosh, where shall we start? I mean, like I say, there's been so much football. Um, I guess let's go to Tranmere and work backwards because I guess Friday nights freshest in the memory. Um, Cole, just about every cup cliche would have been banded around beforehand—banana skins and all that—but there was certainly no slip-ups on Merseyside, was there?
0: No, nah, not at all. That—that that was. Um that was a great game because it, it's just nice to put a team away like that where you can sit back and actually relax. You know, last year we had those games didn't we against Newport um, and Rochdale where you just couldn't actually relax because they were a real tense games. Sorry, Newport Rochdale rather. Um, yeah. And it was nice just to play one of those teams and actually just be really dominant um, and actually put them to the sword eventually. Uh, and, and You know, it looked in the first half was looking quite a sticky tie at one point, wasn't it? You know, we weren't really having much joy and only going in with that one nil lead. And you just thought this could be tricky. But boy, they come out in the second half and blitz them Um, and some really good finishes, good goals and just some good team football. And nice to see a few of the younger lads like Skip and uh, Carl Walker-Peters and that get a real good showing.
2: Yeah, I mean, James, I'm just about to say, to be honest, it was a game that really escalated very quickly because. Tottenham had chances in the first half. I mean, the best ones were probably Lucas, should have really scored, Son, Davis had a good volley. They all tested the Tranmere goalie, but you had a feeling almost that Tranmere felt that the longer they could hold Tottenham out and then frustrate them, and then you're in that never-know territory. But at the same time, you also felt it only really needed a goal to break their resolve. And what a strike it was from Serge Aurier to open the deadlock.
1: Yeah, absolutely. An, an absolute screamer from Aurier. And, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I. I was I was laughing to myself because I think he's claiming for the corner, isn't he? He, he puts his hand straight in the air, that it, claiming for the corner, and then it ends up in the top bin. So, uh, but yeah, you're right in saying that that it just needed the one goal. Really, I think Rochdale they were probably holding out for a replay, so they they would have had a nil nil in mind. And and as you say, the longer the game goes on, the more Tottenham get frustrated, uh, the more mistakes we make, and and, and you know, the, and the longer it goes on, so. Um, yeah, I think. But once the the one goal goes in, then as you say, the floodgates open because it forces uh, Tranmere obviously to 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 come out and and have a go at us. And and once they come out of out of their shell, that's when the gaps appear. And luckily, we've got the players with the class and the uh, and the fitness and physicality to to go on and, and exploit those gaps. And obviously, end up with a a, a pretty decent scoreline for us.
2: Now, uh, Val wasn't in play during the game, uh, Cole, but there was. A slight bit of contention in the fact that Aurier's goal, if we're winding it back, winding the video back, uh, 18 seconds before that, I believe the corner was a moving ball. Now, if far is in play, for you, is it sent that far back? Like, Where do we draw the line? Because we're in that sort of grey area where, you know, is that enough of a phase of play for it to result in the goal not standing? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's sort nah, of, where do we draw mean... the line?
0: That that sort of thing, I mean, the moving ball, that, that was hardly going to have, in my opinion. that That isn't, if you like, a game-changing incident, is it? Because, that, you know, Tramir still had enough time to defend that. And let's face it, they did defend it. You know, the ball gets cleared out to the edge of the box. And it just, you know, it breaks to Aurier in the end, you know, from a good tackle one. Um, so I don't think you can even look at an incident like that. You know, it's only got to be, isn't it, for pure, clear offside goals. Or you know a decision where there's been a a, a real obvious foul leading up to it. Um, it yeah, you, know, you can't start going back for little things like was the ball you know rolling you know a tiny bit at a corner that sort of stuff. You know we, we'll start going back for everything in the end, won't we? If we start doing that, you know was was the player outside the box from a goal kick when the keeper took it? So they had enough for me. Even though the ball was rolling slightly. Tranmere still was able to defend that and could have defended it, even with that little ball roll, so I don't think that had a real input on what happened following from that.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that almost too much happened thereafter. If it was like the goal came straight from the corner, then you'd probably have a reason if you're yeah. a Trammis fan to so say, hang on, something should have been put back Or, there,
0: but... you know, if he actually scores direct from the corner yeah. and the ball's rolling, you might go, okay, well there you can go back and say, no, we'll blow up for that, but they clear it. There's a tackle one on the edge of the box. I, yeah, too much has gone on for me to be able to look at that small ball roll.
2: And James, Cole just sort of hit the nail on the head a minute ago and he's actually hit it word for word with my notes. Putting teams to the sword. Um, did it against Tranmere, a statement that we can obviously extend to Everton Bournemouth. That's now a five, a six and a seven we've had in the last few weeks. So, I mean, where where's this come from? Because, you know, if we look at the first half of the season people were moaning we're grinding out one nils against like a palace and things like that and now we've hit a real purple patch haven't we so where's this exposure of goals come from
1: yeah i think you're right i think we've just hit a purple patch in form just at the right time as the games are coming thick and fast and i think you know when you look back at the 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 one nils and when we were moaning about that you look at how tired our players were you've got kane and ali especially our attacking players sorry but kane and ali coming off the back of uh a long World Cup and Son is obviously played so many games with with the Asia Cup and and this that and the other. We, you know, we we kind of we've got past that stage. The players have they've had a bit of a wrestle. They've settled back into their club form. They've settled back into their routine. And uh, and the fact that we've managed to keep them all fit and and play them all week in week out. That you know that everyone's kind of hitting form at the right time. And that's what we're putting it down to. Obviously. Kane's back scoring, Son has been in absolutely fantastic form and yeah and and, and I think tr- this this Tranmere's game was 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 perfectly done for us because we want to put that game to bed so that we can we can kind of go down the gears. We don't want to be playing our hardest for the whole 90 minutes because then that's when the lads get tired and that's when injuries start to creep in. So it's nice to, to kind of put three past them and we can then as you say we can bring the kids on we can give a, give some of the other lads a run out and we can play in, in, in second gear, you know. So, yeah, but it, it's, uh, it's enjoyable, you know. We're back being one of those those free-flowing footballing teams and, and it's really enjoyable to watch. Hopefully it, uh, it continues into the new year.
2: I'll start with you, James. When you beat a team 7-0, what do you really learn about your sort of team? Because obviously it's a very one-sided affair. Um, is it a result that shows that there is squad depth, you know, that goals can come from many areas around the pitch? Do you have to sort of temper those feelings because it is only Tranmere. Like what what do you learn from a 7-0 victory yourself?
1: Well, a bit of both, really. I think I think you have to take it, obviously, with a pinch of salt because Rochdale, obviously, a, a lower league club, we, we can't exactly be calling for Lorente to, to replace Kane in the starting lineup because he scored a hat-trick, can we? Um, but, you know, it shows that these players are capable of doing us a job. You know, someone needs to play in these games and someone needs to, to put these games to bed. And so you know before when we were saying that there's there's no place for someone like Lorente at Spurs, well, there clearly is because we need we're going to need someone to play these games we need someone to to fill in when Kane needs a rest and and he showed that that he's capable of playing uh in these games and 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 delivering the goods you know it's it's a good confidence booster for us and it's a good confidence booster for for the lads who who aren't getting many minutes you know Pochettino's obviously told them to to go out there uh Play for their jersey as it, as it was, and, uh, and you know, and you know, as I say, we need, the, we need those kind of players, we need a happy squad, and, and, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing all around.
2: Just a note for the editor there James has now said Rochdale twice in reference to Tranmere, so if you're listening and thinking, what is he going on about? <laughs> James has just said the wrong team twice. So I'm very sorry, guys. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a
1: long Christmas, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it has, all right? So let's, uh, let's move on swiftly. Uh, Cole, the person who got the last of those goals on Friday night was Harry Kane. Now, his contributions certainly raised some eyebrows, with uh, Pochettino saying that he wanted to treat the competition with respect while also giving Transmessport the opportunity to see a World Cup Golden Boot winner in the flesh. Now, what do you make of our box office smash getting minutes on the pitch on Friday?
0: Well, I'm not I'm not going to lie. This, that one really baffled me, to be honest. Um, and as much as I kind of can respect and you kind of applaud Pochettino for saying that, you know, he wanted to get him on the pitch so that Tranmere could see him and everything like that. For me, that decision kind of, I think that's where you have to be a little bit selfish. Um, And I couldn't have seen a manager like Alex Ferguson back at that time risking someone like Ronaldo in a game like that when you're 6-0 up, when you've got bigger games coming um, a few days later. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong, it's great for those Tranmere fans, you know, we can't Sometimes easy to forget that we're seeing these sort of world-class players week in, week out, and some of those kids there won't get to see a player like that, um, you know, maybe in their lifetime. So it's great. But I think if you're looking at it from a selfish point of view, I couldn't understand the risk that you're taking in that situation because you're 6 new up. The game is done and dusted. You've got a big semi-final coming, you know, a few days after. You've got big league matches coming up. Why would you put the guy on in that situation where, you know, as James said earlier, you you know, if he pulls up for a muscle, you know, he hasn't maybe he hasn't warmed up enough, or he's cold coming on, and then stretches for a ball and pulls his hamstring, you know, or one of the tranmere defenders thinks I'll make a name for myself by kicking Kane up in the air, um, and then we've got you know an ankle injury or something like that. I just don't actually see that the risk was worth it there for me I might be in the minority I know I think there's probably a a 50-50 divide I'd say but for me I just thought it was a risk that wasn't really worth taking when you consider that you've got things like Son that prepared to go away in the next couple of weeks so you're going to be losing one of your main goal threats you know why why do you risk your other big major player at that situation, you know, when a game is so badly won. Yes, if it was 1-0 and he was looking at maybe just trying to see the game out and secure it with a second, then, yeah, sure, you bring your main goal scorer on. But when he did for me, that was slightly worrying.
2: Um, I believe we were in the same conversation on Twitter. Someone mentioned that it might be purely down to the fact that he gets a goal bonus and appearance money. Do you reckon there's any truth in that?
0: I'd be disappointed if you're looking at things like that as to making your subs, because let's face it, I'm pretty sure Kane isn't earning sad money no. a week that <laughs> he needs desperately to try and come on and score one or two. And to me there at that point, that's where you need a strong manager that would turn around and say, well, listen, I can understand you want to come on and score goals. And I'm sure, you know, maybe Kane was him in his ear saying, 'I'll oh, come and stick me on, Gaffer, stick me on. But you've got to make bold and Brave decisions at that point, and decisions that are best for your club. And for me, in my mind, I don't think that was potentially what could have been best for us. We know it's worked out fine, no harm done. But when you think of the consequences that could have happened in a game that really there was no need to take that chance, for me, I thought that was a silly move.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that we've got away with it there. But can you imagine the, the shine it would have taken off the result if we won six nil? Kane does his ankle, and let's not forget that he's had ankle injuries in the past. And when you do it once, it's very, very fragile. So the risk was very apparent. Do you know what I mean? So, well,
0: that was one of the things we said at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? And after the World Cup, people saying they didn't look like he was fresh on his ankle again. And as you say, it just takes that one knock, um, and then that's what would the fan reaction have been if he'd pulled up with a hamstring injury, or, and then he's out for six or so weeks then I'm pretty sure most people would have said what was you doing bringing him on in that situation but Poch obviously felt felt it was the right move to make
2: Yeah, uh, it's a head scratcher but like I say I think we've uh, got away with it and we'll move on James, Oliver Skip a decent performance from the youngster what was your scouting report on Friday in regard to the think, academy hot prospect?
1: I think yeah, he's, uh, he's exactly that he's a very hot prospect I think he's, he's a player that we should be Quite excited about, you know, we've seen him in a, in a few Premier League games now as well, um, which is which is great. And I think he's only going to get better and better as he gets more minutes in in the Spurs side, playing around the players that he's playing. He's, he's definitely got uh, an eye for a pass, and uh, and he's and he's kind of in that Harry Winks mold, um, in that when he gets the ball, he wants to do something with it. You know, we we've got a lot of, you know, midfielders that. that Maybe don't do as much on the ball as they should. You know, maybe players that they're a bit more defensively minded. But, but you know, it's nice to have these young, energetic midfielders that, as soon as they get the ball, their first thought is, "Well, what can I do with this? How how can we go forward with it?" Rather than rather than knocking the ball sideways time after time. Uh, and uh, and it's it's a nice little injection into the squad. He, he, you know, he picks everyone else up. You know, when he when he comes on, it's same as Harry Winks. You know, when when he comes off the bench or when he when he starts. He kind of gives everyone else that little bit of energy because he because he wants to do something with the ball and you know it's it's good to watch for from a fan's point of view and as I say like he's only going to get better if he uh, if he keeps doing what he's doing and Pochettino is obviously uh, you know he's got another one on his hands if, if he can if he can manage it right.
2: I like this. We're on the same wavelength because everyone keeps getting my first my next question. Sorry, because the next one is about Harry Winks and Cole. Um, he's been coming in with some flack as of late, and is there a danger that he's almost going? or could go the same way as, say, Ryan Mason and Josh Onomoa, that someone for all that promise doesn't quite reach the hopes that we've set out? I mean, could you argue that injuries came at the wrong time and his career trajectory has halted or, you know, just sort of taken a sort of dip slightly? Or, at the same time, is there still time for him to make an impact in uh, North London?
0: I kind of feel that, obviously, when he, his first few games back, he looked like the, the injury was planned on his mind. And I now kind of feel he, he looks like he's got over that and he feels like he's moving quite a bit freer. Um, he's a real strange player at the moment, Winks, because there are times where he'll do something, you know, a drop of the shoulder or a quick turn, and he's passed two or three. And you kind of think, oh, that would, that looked really good. You know, that was he was driving... Brilliant run, and then he can be guilty sometimes of giving the ball away in some dangerous positions where he'll try a pass that you just think, not really sure that was the right pass to make there. But we, you know, we've got away with it. Um, So I I think there's still time on his side. You know, I think he finally looks like he's got over those injuries. I think he has a little bit more to his game than say someone like Mason. yeah, you know, I, I do kind of think. Yeah, there is—is is there a slight worry that we we seem to be bringing through midfielders that kind of seem to play in quite a similar mould? You know, we we don't look like we've, you know, it'd be nice one day to see us bring through a real tricky kind of dribbly type player that you get excited about. Where we we are bringing through good players, but some of them just to see nice, you know, on the ball midfielders who can lay off some nice passes, but do they drive forward as much as we want? Not so sure. But I think Winks is showing a lot of promise this year. And he's definitely one to stick with. Um, And his numbers are really impressive. You know, there's no doubt when you look at his numbers from the games he's played, he's got some really good numbers behind him. So, I just think he need, you know, maybe this year to get over those injuries, but he's really starting to pick it up for me. So we could have a real good player in our hands, and especially, you know, he's someone now who's going to become important if the likes of Dembele maybe leaving and Wanyama doesn't look like he's going to get a sniff again. So Winks will have a real key role to play um, towards the end of this season, I think. And means- I think,
1: I think maybe, you know, I think maybe we we might just be getting used to how good he is. You know, I think. When he first came through, we were surprised at how, you know, how. Uh, what's, uh, sorry, I'll
0: Accomplished. Talking. He looked really accomplished, yeah. didn't he, for his age? Um, and he, he kind of lost that, I think, just around the injuries, didn't he? He was, yeah, we were suddenly surprised started it. looking real kind of just ordinary. But yeah. I think he started to pick up again as each game comes on now. And he loves to dictate the game. You know, he will not shy away from getting the ball, which is a great thing.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, let's forget, or not forget, sorry, that Winks was in the England squad. Southgate really sort of liked the look of him. Had he stayed fit, James, he probably would have been in the World Cup squad, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think what I was trying to say was we were so surprised at how this youngster had come in and he, and he was just bossing football matches. He was, you know, he was he was dictating the play. He was picking up the ball. And, and we were all surprised at how, you know, he wasn't tentative at all. He kind of just threw himself into it. Whereas now we... And you know he's, he's gone straight into the England squad, and, and he should have right, as you say, right. He should have been in the England squad to, to go to to the World Cup if he'd been fit. Uh, and so we've we've kind of just got a little bit used to it that that he he is this footballer that that should be bossing games. You know, look at the the Barcelona and the Real Madrid games. He's he's been pivotal in both of those games. Uh, you know, we've just got a little bit used to it, a little bit complacent as fans. And and you know it, it, we're all guilty of it, just just expecting it of players now. And you know, look at Deli Ali at the start of the season. We were giving him so much stick, but. You know, you forget that these guys are so young, and and yeah, and if their forms dro- dropped off a little bit, then then you know we're very quick to to say let's let's ship them off and tr- get someone else and it can do the job. But you know, it, it's form will pick up again soon, and I'm sure it'll be bossing football matches again soon.
2: Okay, James. Staying away from the pitch, the club have announced that they've extended Toby Alderweireld's contract, which I guess is a good news bad news scenario because it means now that if a bid of 25 million does come in, then that activates the clause. So let's be honest, he'd be cheap at twice the price. So it's going to be no surprise if those bids do start coming in. What, as a club, can we do to keep him? Is it money? Is it silverware? Is it both? What do you think?
1: Personally, I think if Toby's going to leave, he's going to leave, no matter what. I don't think a, a League Cup uh, is going to really, you know, going to make a player of his calibre stay at Tottenham. You know, I, I just I can't see it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that we've already gone down the money route. I think if he is asking for... To be our highest paid player, then then he is probably asking a lot because you know look at some of the footballers we've got. We've got Harry Kane and Christian Eriksen. You know those those should be our highest players, paid players, and then someone like Alvaro So if he's asking to be on more money than Kane or or, or Eriksen, then I think he's probably asking a little bit too much. Um, I, I think the club will have exhausted There's all the options, in my opinion. Is a footballer that we obviously want to keep is so pivotal to our game. Uh, and and if he is going to leave, then I think he'll go anyway. As you say, twenty five million is, is is peanuts, especially in this day and age. You look at Van Dijk going for eighty odd million plus. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. And yeah, he might be a little bit injury prone or a little bit older. But I, I think if, if if United come in with with the twenty five million plus whatever wages he wants, then then he'll be on his bike. And that that probably says more about Oviedo than it does about our club.
2: Cole. at the same time, I mean, let's say Aldevira does play a, a role in helping us win Silverware this season and, um, you know, we finish in the Champions League again. Does that almost sort of, I wouldn't say justify his sale, but you can almost sort of negate the fact that, you know, he's helped the club be better and kick on. So you sort of think, you know, it's not all about just, um, I, I guess, you know, filling up the balance sheet with profit and all that. You can actually think, you know, he's, he's actually done a role and we can leave on amicable terms
0: yeah I think we said at the start of the season didn't we that maybe one of the best hopes we could get is another season out of Ada we all being fit um because with what's gone on, we kind of knew that if you, there's that clause for twenty five mil with what's gone with what's happened at the club, the chance could be that he'd be off. but if we could maybe just get this season out of him um and get a real push, then maybe we've we've done well um because I'm like james. I think that it's inevitable that I think he will go at the end of the season um, and we probably won't see him in a Spurs shirt next year but he's been a great servant for the club um, and he probably came in at a time where we You know, he really started that ball rolling where suddenly we started getting plus goal differences because for as long as I could remember as a Spurs fan, you're normally in the negative goal difference coming the end of the season or just plus one. And suddenly a few seasons with him, we're sort of like plus 25, plus 30 goal difference. Um, So he's been a great player. At 25 mil, someone's going to be getting a steal because he, you know, he's worth double that easily. But he's been great. The only thing I would say, is I think this year, he potentially isn't in strong a position with us as he was the year before because with the emergence of Foyth, Sanchez, we now look like we've probably got the cover where if we get this season out of him, then the way Foyth's come on and Sanchez have come on, as long as we keep um, Vatongan Then one of those, I think, and both of those can step in and start filling that void once Adler Weirwald leaves. And then obviously you're looking, do you just replace him and buy someone else? But it would be nice to keep him and nice to think that a trophy or maybe Champions League again could keep him happy. But I don't think it will. I think there's been a lure of some big money on offer Um, and obviously that fee of 25 mil, another club will take that into account when they offer him his salary. So I think let's just make the most of him this year and get as many games out of him as possible, and hopefully with him we can win that trophy and uh, push on again.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think if we were to lose someone, I don't think he's the worst player we could lose. I think there's bigger names that we've got, you know, and I'll get to one of those in a minute, that if they left you would really sort of feel the pinch. I think the fact that you just touched on like Foyth and Sanchez, it just sort of shows that life does go on in football. And it will also possibly go on for Musa Dembele because he could also leave maybe at the end of the month. Um, James, once again, rumours are abound that he could be moving to the Far East for a handsome wage and half the work because, unfortunately, it does seem like his body's getting the better of him these days in terms of injuries. He's just never quite on, on top of things. So if you were the boss, would you be cashing in or would you set him free at the end of the season?
1: Yeah, no, I'd be cashing in personally, and you wouldn't have heard me say that going back a few months. I think at the start of the season, I was, I was, I was really happy that we kept hold of him. I think he ended, he ended last season really well, and yeah, he had, he had a good season last season. So I was happy that we kept hold of him in in the summer, and and I really thought he was going to have a, an important role this season. Obviously, injuries have got on top of him. He uh, he's had that one really bad injury where he's had to he's had to fly here and there and everywhere getting it operated on. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I think we've we've definitely seen the back of him. I think we've seen his best years, but but it is probably time to, to cash in and and say thank you to who has been a, an exceptional player in his time with Spurs. He's been a, a great servant, just like you say with all Oliver Uh But I think we've got to, we've got to think about our, our squad and and what has been successful in our squad in the last few years, and that's been investing in young talent, and bloody young talent, and and not keeping hold of, of Deadwood and, and and older players and players that are gonna. Kind of stagnate in our team, and so yeah, I think this is the time to to shift a bit of deadwood. Uh, your likes of Army, your likes of Dembélé, uh, and I think yeah, we've we've got we've got the players to, to bring through to 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 come in for them to to freshen up the squad. And, and if we need to make any any uh, transfers, and I'm yeah. sure we will. I'd like to see us go for for like fresh young footballers alike. I mean, if we are going to get rid of all the fire I'd like to see us get deleted from from my axe. Um, and and you know maybe maybe someone like Grealish or I like James Madison as well to to kind of fill in that midfield role, uh, you know like Shaqiri does at Liverpool playing centre midfield but with a little, little bit more of a free role. Um, but yeah, I think it is time for for Dembele to to probably to move on. And if he is going to go to Italy to to kind of fit in with that slower pace, then then so be it. And or if he is going to go to the, to the Far East and get that that last big pay packet, then fair play to him.
2: Cole, if and when he does leave, will he go down as a club legend or more of a cult hero? Because if we're brutally honest, he wasn't that good in his first few seasons at Tottenham. But the past couple of seasons, he certainly made up for it. So where would you sort of pitch Dembele and our sort of pantheon of great midfielders?
0: Yeah, I, I think he would happily fit into, as you say, that cult hero who was probably, you know, just be remembered fondly as around at a, you know, a time when we had a really good side. Um uh, yeah, as you say, Dan, I think there was a good few years ago, wasn't there, once we brought him where you just thought the guy just isn't fulfilling what we thought we'd brought with the potential you saw at Fulham. Um, and he did just keep, seem to kind of drift through games and then he'd have the odd spurt where he'd go past three or four players like a Rolls-Royce break to the edge of the box and then just couldn't deliver a finish or would turn backwards and you just thought, Oh, that that's really what lets him down but then he really came on under Poch, you know, I mean he really developed into this, you know, dying You know, dynamite midfielder who just no one could, you couldn't knock him off the ball. And he was really pivotal to what we were doing and the success we were having. But I'm like James now. I think injuries have got the better of him. And I don't think we're going to see the Dembele that we probably need to help us push on the way we want to. So maybe it's with Winks and Skip is time to sort of say, okay, thanks for your service. You know, get yourself off to somewhere like China where you'll still boss that league and you'll probably earn lots of money. You know, thanks for the memories. Um, And and yeah, best of luck to him. But yeah, yeah, there's part of me maybe thinks about whether we keep him just till the end of this season because the running could be really important. And even if you can get another, say, five games out of him where you get that real strong Dembele for five or six games, it could come in useful. But obviously... He may want to go in January if the offer's there. So if he does, best of luck to him.
2: You could also argue that if he scored more goals, he'd be the perfect midfielder. But if he was the perfect midfielder, he'd probably be playing his trade for Real Madrid by now. And talking of Real Madrid, yep, good segue there. It wouldn't be that time of year, James, unless someone was linked with the Spanish Giants. And this time, it's Christian Eriksen for a whopping, wait for it, £100 million. Now, is that a big pinch of salt to be putting on your chips?
1: Yeah I think it is I, I, I mean Ericsson he's obviously going to attract, attract this kind of attention because of the performances he's been putting in he's been absolutely brilliant for us for, for probably two or three seasons now he's been one of our best players and I know you alluded to it earlier but I, I do think he is possibly our, our most important player um, obviously it's between him and Harry Kane Harry Kane's goals obviously irreplaceable but I think without Christian Ericsson in our team we just don't tick as a football team We don't. we don't you know, we don't play like Tottenham. We don't play the the football that Pochettino wants us to play. Certainly, and I think if it's down to Pochettino, then I I don't think he'll be sold at all. I think Poch would want to keep hold of him because he is the kind of the, the player that that keeps all the all the cogs moving. In, you know, in Poch's system. So, you know, I, but I, you know, if it is down to to the player and and he wants to go, and you know, it's the whole bail situation all over again. You you can't stop a player. Wanting to progress their career like that, you, you can't stop a player going to Real Madrid if they if they really do push it. And also, you know, if a player does want to leave so badly, then they're not a great player to have around the squad. Look at Kyle Walker last season. You know, he was he was desperate to leave, and, and then he was he was cast out in the end. Um, so it is it is a really difficult one to call because obviously none of us want Eriksen to leave, but we you know he's he's a, he's a player in the prime of his career, and we wouldn't want that career to stagnate really. Um, the only thing I think is is that would Real Madrid really want him? You know, he's supposedly got this uh, chronic injury that that could mean that he only plays one game a week or whatever. I think if he's at Real Madrid, then uh, you know, if he is going to sign for 100 million pounds, these are the kind of things that they should they'll surely be looking at. And uh, and uh, and I don't know whether they they would really want him. Obviously, they'd want him for if if he manages to to get over this injury and and. Uh, and manages to play week in, week out, the 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 calibre of football that he's playing. But but you know, yeah, there's a lot of ins and outs to it. And and obviously, if it was down to us, we'd keep him and, and Pochettino, we'd keep him. But when Real Madrid come calling, nine times out of ten, they they get what they want, don't they?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I've said before, when Real Madrid want their man, it doesn't matter if they have to wait six months, twelve months, twenty four months, they will get him eventually. So if they actually sort of think, you know, we can actually get Erickson and hundred million. You know, it's nothing in this day and age, is it? If you look at the Coutinho money and Dembele. So it's definitely cause concern. It also does feel like they've sort of plucked a number out of the sky because it is January, isn't it? And it's just make up a rumour time. But the longer the contract issues aren't resolved, you do then start to get a little bit more worried. But at the same time, if he doesn't want to be there, 100 million, as long as we spend it wisely, could get you, you know, two decent more players thereafter. So there's yin and yang for that. So, and that's a debate that will probably. uh, run long into the season but we've touched on the highlights of uh, the Christmas period unfortunately we're now going to have to reflect on the bad moment and that car was the defeat to Wolves for you was it a case of just one game too many in what was I guess a pretty arduous festive period
0: oh 100% I mean you know that was just one of those games where you know the spark just wasn't there You know, nothing was coming off, was it? No one came out of that game particularly well. Um, But I think it was just that run of these guys are now just, you know, running on a little bit of empty... And it's just a strange result, especially when you consider that, you know, a couple of days later, Crystal Palace go and beat Wolves at home. um, And Wolves don't put anywhere near that kind of performance that they put in at Wembley. Um, And I think it was just a bad day at the office. You know, everyone was, you know, it wasn't really happening. Son wasn't on fire. You know, Kane scores a great goal. After that, we, you know, we never really looked like scoring again, to be honest. You know, Ali was having a real mare of a day, to be honest, where he could have been hooked a lot earlier. Um, And we just have to look back on that as, yeah, one game too far. And that might be, when we talk about titles, it's probably that sort of game where we still don't have the kind of power of resources that we can bring on in terms of squad to kind of win a game like that. You know, we, we are still of that way that when we bring someone else on, they're not as good as, you know, someone like City or Liverpool can bring a player off the bench that could easily get into their first team um, over the player who's replaced them that week. So, yeah, just a bad day. But you're gonna, we're going to have them every now and then. Um, And like we keep saying, when we do have one of those bad games, the key was to respond. And we responded really well the following game after that because, you know, that is one of the results that you don't want to linger and players to suddenly have a, a dip because that's a real bad time of year to suddenly start dropping points now.
2: Absolutely. And James, I guess, was there also the danger of us as Tottenham fans in general just getting a bit too carried away? Because I guess we... Gate crashed the title race and we announced ourselves but we sort of failed to really hang around it was like a three day entry into the title race um, I think after putting six past Everton five past Bournemouth we were all sort of rubbing our hands with Grigeti, thinking yeah how many are we going to score today this could be another cricket score do we sort of almost forget that Wolves although are inconsistent they do seem to save their best performances against the bigger teams
1: yeah I think and I think you know the, the players could be guilty of that too I think you know, if if the fans are getting ahead of themselves more than likely the, the 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 players are too. So, um, you know, after results like that, everyone was on a bit of a high. I'm sure the players were on a, on a massive high. Everyone was talking about us, us being in the title race again for the first time this season, really, because Liverpool and City have been far away uh, at the top, and we haven't really been mentioned. So, uh, and after kind of announcing ourselves, like you say, everyone was on about us, us maybe cracking that top two and uh, and having to go for the title. And then you know it, it all comes crashing back down because. You know, we all get a bit big-headed. The players probably got a little bit complacent going into that Wolves game, and as you rightly say, Wolves. You know, they've they've, they've announced themselves in the Premier League this season by playing the top six and and getting a, a, a good set of results out of the top six, and then yeah, you know, as you say, the, the next week going and getting a, a crappy result against someone like Crystal Palace. So um, yeah, a minor blip uh, would would be what I'd call it, and I'm sure Pochettino would, would say exactly the same that that, that kind of that kind of result isn't going to define our season at all. It's just going to be a, a little road bump on the way on the way to the to the to the finish line. But yeah, I mean, we've had we've we've managed to recover from there brilliantly, and uh, and hopefully we won't have many more like that this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the way the goals were conceded, it just looked like there was just nothing in the tank because it wasn't as if we were sort of outclassed over ninety minutes. We sort of huffed and puffed for seventy, and you thought, you know. We can just sort of edge this out. And we'll grind out a one 0 win like we did earlier in the season, and then just bang, like just a huge collapse. So very uncharacteristic, really. But you know, Cole's right in the sense that you might look at that result and think that might be the one that sort of cost us because it has slightly halted the momentum. You know, added an extra three points, put pressure on Liverpool and City. I mean, there's so many ifs and buts, and they're the biggest words in football, really. You know, if we did that, and if we won all our games, etc., etc. But it is what it is. And when we talk about best performances, obviously Wolves, that like I say, save their best for the bigger teams. Um, you could argue that Everton and Bournemouth have certainly been right up there for us. You could even consider Cardiff when you take into account that we raced into a 3-0 lead and then sort of took our foot off the pedal. But, Carl, let's not sort of break down every game, but if we take those three games in isolation and have a sort of general overview, and the same to James in a minute, but what were your sort of Christmas highlights in those three performances?
0: Uh, for me, it was our attacking football, you know, because we, we were so clinical um, and when I've, you know, following Spurs as long as I have, I can't remember the amount of times I've watched games clinging on, a, you know, 1-0 by the end where you're thinking we could have had five or six here and should have had. Um, so the sort of attacking football we're playing at the moment where we are just being so clinical and the the movement up front um, is just a joy to watch. And it's so good to see us finally, you know, get one, two, threes, you know, sixes and sevens because the football deserves it. Um, But for me, the biggest highlight has been um, Son's form of late because he has really come on again this season. And I know we've talked about him in recent pods saying like, you know, what does he need to do to be considered, you know, that, you know, next-level player. And I think he's answered that over the last, you know, month or so because he really has gone to that level where, you know, his pace, the way he takes the ball under control, you know, how tricky he is and he's finishing. Um, And that's the real highlight for me is Son. Um, But the real – and the real low point with that also comes the fact, though, that we're going to lose him. And I think that's going to really cause us some problems when we lose his pace up top. But that's it with the highlights, and just say that our attacking performances lately. There's not going to be many teams that can live with us when we play like that.
2: And James, do you have anything to add to that?
0: No, I, I,
1: I particularly like that But no team can live with us when we play like that. that. That's absolutely perfect. You know, you look at. I think the one for me was the Everton game, and where we just looked absolutely unbelievable in, in attack. You know, no team, no team could defend against that. You know, and. and that's the Tottenham that that I've grown to to know and love over the last few years. You know, going going back a few years, it just it just wasn't the same. You look at the AVB years; we looked like we had nothing going forward. But now we've got these players that you know they seem to literally enjoy taking teams apart, and and we make it look so effortless. You know, when Son's firing, when Kane's firing, when especially when Ali's firing. I think Deli Ali is one of the is probably the the one player out of our front four that that kind of comes and goes and, and maybe doesn't, doesn't chip in as much as you should sometimes. But, you know, he, he's been in absolutely fantastic form. Christian Eriksen, I've already alluded to, he said, you know, he pulls the strings and yeah, and long may that continue. Hopefully 2019 is a year that we keep, we keep that uh, attacking quartet fit. And, and hopefully they, uh, they fire us uh, to some silverware. Yeah.
2: And Carl, while we're here, I guess we have to be pretty thankful that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has got off to the perfect start at Old Trafford because it's, sort of dampened down the uh, potch to United rumours. But what did you make of Martin Tyler and Gary Neville almost assuring us that he will be the future United manager during the Everton game? It was almost like a done deal, wasn't it? What did you make of those sort of <laughs> comments?
0: Yeah, I mean, Sky, you know, some of these channels have their own agenda, don't they, where they're, they're looking to try and dictate what happens in football. Um, and obviously, Gary Neville and Martin Tyler used their platform very well to get that message across. I have to say... I I don't listen too much to most of these pundits nowadays because lots of them are trying to push their own agenda across. Um, It's fair, you know, in some ways you could say Gary Neville just wants the best thing for Man United and no one could disagree that Poch is probably one of the best managers in world football at the moment with what he's achieved with us. So it's natural that they'll want him. Um, We can only hope that Poch sees the project that he's got going with us um, and that there is that chance of the stadium and hopefully if some finances come along with that and he's able to add a few players and build on the squad he's got, then he can see that there's just as much chance of being successful with us than there is at Old Trafford right now um, but that's let them say what they want to my only hope is that they're using it as something to spur them on to try and shove this down their throats come the end of the season James
2: the cynic in me says it's just a mechanism to get people to then place their money with Sky Bet you know if, if Martin Toland and Gary and Ever are banging on the same drum on Sky Sports and you think oh you know the next market of next man United manager Potch 's favourite what a coincidence now for you, is there dark arts in play, or is it just the pundits getting carried away with themselves?
1: No, I think I, I'm always very skeptical. Yeah, for that exact reason, I think there's there's always this conspiracy of bumping odds up and 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 making a bit of a profit out of it. Um obviously, I think Pochettino is going. He is going to attract the attention of of so-called big clubs. Um, you know, Real Madrid is understandable. Um, Man United a bit less so, but you know, you, you can kind of get it. they obviously. They've got the infrastructure to be the biggest club in England, and and they're going to want the best. and And Pochettino, you know, he is the best out there at the moment. But for me, you know, he seems like a humble guy. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who who would throw us under the bus and and go for for, for the money. Anyway, you know, I don't think any sane person in football would would take what they've got at Tottenham at the moment and go to Man United. You know, we look at the the all the I look at the all the situation, and it does confuse me a little bit because you know we're third in the table uh, we, we're consistently in the champions league we've got a great young squad playing great attacking football we're surely going to make some signings this summer we're going into the new stadium why would anyone want want to go to, to united when you know there's such turmoil at that club they haven't got this the squad that we have they haven't got the success that we have um the only reason it would be to would be to go for the money um and Pochettino doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would do that. And and for me, I think Solskjaer will probably get the job on a permanent uh, by the end of the season anyway. Uh, judging by the way that they're going at the moment, just you know, I think it'll be a little hype train, and 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 they'll get the job off the back of that. But you know, it's wish, it's wishful thinking. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, we manage to keep hold of our assets. And I think the draw of the new stadium might might mean more than than we think it does. I think a lot of players and a lot of coaches, a lot of fans. Uh, will we'll, we'll want to see us in that new stadium. You know? I think it'll, it'll keep, help us keep hold of, of, of what we've got.
2: Without turning this into a Man United podcast, but I've got a feeling, and this might be mental, and you can pin me this at the end of the season, but I think Solskjaer might win the Champions League with United in a similar fashion to what Roberto Di did at Chelsea, then sort of stay on, but then be awful in the second season because he sort of stayed on a little bit too long. But I just think he'll galvanise the squad enough so that they'll, they'll go on and win something. Because I know they've sort of not beaten great teams but they look like a dangerous team all of a sudden, which is not good for us when we face them at the weekend.
0: But I well, just... that, that, will, that will be the real key thing, won't it, Dan? Is that so far, they've had that bit of momentum and they haven't played some of the greatest sides. So if they come up against us, you know, next week and we really put them to the soul, then it, that, that hype train really dies down quickly, doesn't it? Because yeah. it'll just be like, well, yeah, you're OK bullying the smaller sides, but you're still way off of what these good sides have to offer. So, you know, I think that game against us will really see where they are and, you know, what kind of calibre they are or or Solskjaer is potentially getting out of that team.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's going to be the the measuring stick, isn't it? And although we face them on Sunday, we shouldn't forget there's something a little bit more important tomorrow night and that is the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final when we face Chelsea. Now, James... We had a comfortable league win against them back in November. I believe it was. Yes, it was. It all blends into one these days. Um, how confident are you of something similar tomorrow night?
1: Um, not as confident. You no, know, I think no, no, not not quite as confident. I think um, you know people talk about us being bottlers. You know, when, when we get to this stage in the competition, I think we we do get a little bit jerry, I think. You know, it does go through the players' minds that we we are one one game away from a big final, and and you know this is the Tottenham team that hasn't won any silverware, blah blah blah. You know, think back to last season with with the Man United in the semi final game. We were, we were much better than them, and somehow they managed to beat us in the semis. Uh, so you know, it, it's a similar one round here. I, I, I just want to see us you know go out there, not not try anything too emphatic, try and get the game won. Um, whereas in in that game uh, in November, as you say, I think we came out all guns blazing and we, you know, we were just so much better than them. I think they were having a particularly bad night that night, and I don't, I can't really see them having as bad a night as they did then. You know, players like David Luiz were really weren't at it that night, and I think they'll uh, they'll want in, they'll want a little bit of revenge so that they won't be quite as bad. Um, that being said, I've, I've obviously got. Everything crossed that that we can go out there and, and get the job done, really. Because as I said, then we get to a, a final and, and and it's one game away. You know, you, you anything can happen in a cup in a cup final, and uh, I think it'd do the players a world of good to, to, to even just get to a final.
2: Cole, do we have an advantage playing the first leg at home? I mean, now there's no extra time or away goals in the second leg. Is it almost like an irrelevance? Doesn't really matter where you play, or is it better to start at home or do we? Like what, how do you sort of see the tie sort of panning out? Do you want to be going to Stamford Bridge and getting a result, or is it trying to sort of get nothing advantage to go to West London and try and get over the line?
0: I, I probably, if, if I'd been given a choice, would have preferred probably to play away first leg, yes, um, gone there and got you know maybe try and come away with a you know a draw or a knicker you know, a 1-0 win or something like that, or not be funny, even if you're going to lose, if it's only 1-0 or 2-1, then you take that second leg back home and, you know, everyone's up for it. Um, you know what you need to do. You know the need, the sort of performance you need to put in. The one thing I wouldn't, like to see is us maybe go and you know win the game tomorrow 2-0 and then go to that second leg maybe thinking that job's done um, we just need to see this out and then we don't kind of put that performance in that you need to see it over the line because as James said you know when we beat Chelsea earlier at Wembley that was just a really again that was probably one of their just off nights where no one was on it for them Um, we know the sort of talent they've got, you know, Kante, Hazard, you know, people like that, they won't play that badly again. So it'd be nice if we could go um, and blitz them. You know, I think if we really, you know, if we are at home in the first leg, we, I would be comfortable if we can at least get a 2-0 um, advantage over them going into that second leg. I think we'd be good enough to see that out because we'll at least score at their place. Um, so, yeah, but for me, I think you're always better off playing that second leg at home. You know, I remember the last time we played them in the League Cup semi when we lost 2-1 at their place, but then murdered them at White Hart Lane because everyone was up for it. You know, you knew what you needed to do. Um, But I'm reasonably confident. I think our our attacking form at the moment means that we'll definitely create chances. But as James said, this is where a real test comes in again for us because this is now a semi-final with something on it. So we all know what's going to happen if we don't get a result tomorrow and what we're going to be labelled.
2: James, Chelsea have had sort of issues in their attacking third as of late. Are you worried about Alvaro Morata? Because he seems to be living offside at the moment, doesn't he? So much maligned as of late. Much concern or is it more sort of worrying about Hazard? Because if you look at like William and Pedro, they seem to have lost that spark. They seem to be almost getting sort of worse of it. I don't want to sort of jinx it, but they sort of lost it now. And they're over thirty. They've not quite got that. What you need is a wide forward, so they're not the sort of team that's sort of blitzing defenses. But obviously, there is a threat. How much should we be concerned tomorrow night?
1: I think you rightly say. I think I I'm concerned about Chelsea's attack in that I'm concerned about Eden Hazard. That that is that is my only concern. You know, he he is so good that I believe he, he probably could take on any of our defenders in a one-on-one situation and, and come out on top, you know. Um, I, when it comes to someone like Morata, I'm, I'm not worried about Morata at all. I think he is dreadful and I think a lot of Chelsea fans would agree with me that. that. Um, but I'd more, I'm more concerned that they might play Olivier Giroud and I think Giroud is, is certainly more of a threat than, than Morata is and and, I've, and it baffles me why he doesn't get more minutes in a Chelsea shirt. You know, when he came on in the, in the game in November, he, he, he made such a big difference, you know, and I think that when when he plays, Chelsea have got a bit more of a focal point. They've got a player to kind of play off, and and I, I believe that Hazard prefers playing with Giroud than than he does with, with Morata. And it kind of brings brings him out of his shell even more, which is even more of a terrifying thought. Um, you never know. I, I, you never know what Chelsea's going to turn up. You know, I think they've kind of swapped places with Liverpool in that aspect. In that a few years ago, you never knew what Liverpool was going to turn up. It could be. A Liverpool that was going to batter you six 0 or, or a Liverpool that was going to just fold and, and get beaten. I think this Chelsea team is very similar. You know, they, they folded against us in November, but then they were, they came out and they beat Man City uh, a couple of weeks afterwards. So, um, yeah. I, I, but in terms of their attacking threat, yeah, I am more concerned about Giroud and, and, and rightly so, Edin Hazard than, than any of their other players. Um, I think Willian, yeah, he's, he's probably passed it. and he's he's public enemy number one in the Chelsea camp. Uh, and pedro i 've never really rated at all anyway, so um, yeah, but but hazard you know, he 's he's that kind of player that has got the ability to, to to turn the game on its head all by himself, so I think we 're right to be concerned about a player like him
2: Cole, in terms of line up for you, is it going to be as full strength as possible? I know Lucas is uh, on the injury table alongside Eric Dyer and Victor Wanyama. so um, I guess is this the game where Sun has a last hurrah before heading to the Asian Cup? I mean, how sort of strong can you see Poch going in midweek?
0: Oh, I, I think this will be the strongest line up tomorrow, you know. I, I and let's face it, you need to. Um I think we, you know, you know, we can't afford to you know, really we need to get this semi final over the line because again, it's one of those that we can at least get that monkey off our back with people saying, Well, yeah, but you can't do it when it really matters and you can't win semi finals. So for me, we've got to put our strongest side out. You know, it's Chelsea. We don't want to get beat by them more than anything, you know. Um, that's strongest side. Let's go out. Let's get ourselves to a cup final because I, I think it's, you know, it may only be the League Cup, but for us, I think we just need a trophy now, whatever trophy it is, to get that mentality um, of winning things there and also to get people off our backs so of the fact that, yeah, but you just can't do it when it matters. So, strongest line-up, let's go, batter them and then, give ourselves a chance in a final against Man City because we all know it's going to be them. So, you know, that is one game where I, I still think we could beat Man City in a one-off game at Wembley.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, we can't be relying on meeting Burton at Wembley, can we? So... No, no yeah. <laughs> Yes, I think after um, they're pumping a rotherham on Sunday, Man City, I think Burton are going to be <laughs> a little bit worried, shall I say. Um, but with that in mind, let's have some predictions then for Tuesday. James, I'll go with you first. What do you reckon will happen at Wembley on Tuesday night,
1: uh, I'm going to go for a two-one Tottenham. So I'm a little bit optimistic, but not quite as optimistic as back in November.
2: Very good. And yourself, Cole?
0: Uh, Three-one for me then. Three.
2: Okay, the same as uh, November. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go two-one because I just think cup matches is a little bit more cagey, especially that first leg. And um, I think you're certainly right, Cole. And just the fact that it would be great if we had the first leg away because it just you know even a two-one. If Chelsea lose that game at that score, then they know that they've, you know, they know their task in hands and they'll be pumped up in front of their own fans. And it just sort of tips the balance. They'll still feel they're in it, won't they? So it's not job done at all. So um, you you feel that you need like a two-goal advantage, but I just don't think we're going to get it. I think we'll win, but I just don't think it's going to be home and host. But certainly confident, and there's nothing wrong with that. So um, where are we in terms of time? I think we're just about coming up to the hour. It's been a uh, an action-packed hour. Um, apologies if we didn't sort of cover every game over Christmas. But like I say, there's been so much football, it would be a five-hour special. The longest Spurs episode in history. And I don't think anyone's ready for that just yet. What we are ready for is saying goodbye. So, James, absolute pleasure. Great first appearance of 2019. I look forward to it, um, I guess, next week. Or maybe, um, yeah, next week.
1: Yeah, mate, yeah. It's, it's been a, an action-packed episode, as you say it would be good to go back to having uh, just the one or two matches to talk about every week. And, uh, yeah, let's look forward to a a good 2019.
2: Excellent, mate. Yeah, a bit of normality would be good. And, Paul, absolute pleasure once more.
0: Yeah, Dan, been a pleasure, mate. Been great to uh, talk all all Christmas and festive football. But as you say, let's get back to uh, one or two games at most.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just too busy. But anyway, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the eSports Podcast. And until next time, goodbye.